What no man's gonna answer that call? What man's gonna step up? Get what's hot at the moment is necessary. Centering our discussion and our thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of What Man. Tonight, we're discussing My Father's House, where the panel looks at the role fathers play in the home, both physically and spiritually. I'm your host, Harry, founder of 22 Today Ministries, and tonight I'm going to be joined by Pastor D'Artagnan Hayward, Shannon Wilkerson, CEO of Flawless Faith, and Leo Jacobs, the Dean of the Shepherd's House Bible Institute. So, let's get into it. Good evening, good evening, brothers. How is everyone tonight? It is good to see you. Good to be with you tonight. Happy Father's Day to all. I hope uh, everybody has big plans and and is looking forward to the weekend. Before we get started in the the evening's discussion, Shannon, if you would, my friend, please lead us in prayer. Dear Lord, we give your name glory, honor, and praise. Lord, we lift you up on high today lord we just magnify your holy and righteous name there is nobody like you in all heaven and all of earth there's nobody so kind so gracious so merciful so wonderful so loving and lord we just thank you we thank you for being the father in our lives we thank you for being the great provider the great protector the great way maker lord we just ask you tonight that you be with us in the midst of our conversation that you once again settle in the midst lord give us your mind give us the right thought process give us the right things to say god give us those things that will challenge us to grow as men that will challenge us to grow as fathers that will challenge us to grow in you lord let everything that we do and say give you glory give you honor and give you all praise in the mighty name of jesus we pray amen 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 again it is great to see you guys this evening it really has felt like it has been much longer than a week since we last spoke looking forward to getting into this evening This week in America, we celebrate Father's Day. It's a day set aside to recognize the influence that fathers in our homes and our communities have had while fostering their paternal bonds. Interesting enough, this day was actually met with heavy resistance to come about. It was first observed in 1910 on the 19th of June by Sonora Dodd, a young woman wishing to honor her father, who was a Civil War veteran from the Union Army, He had returned home to raise five of his children after his own wife had passed. It wasn't until President Nixon signed a proclamation in 1972 that the day was officially recognized. Yes, 62 years later, the day was actually recognized on a national stage. In Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, we read to honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Obviously, from this, we can discern God has called on us to honor our fathers and our mothers. But what I want to unpack tonight, it's a bit deeper. In episode two, Shannon had said that he believes we, being fathers, the men in the house, are one of the primary reasons, the cornerstone was the term, for why homes are messed up. Men are at our place and a lot of homes are fatherless. Shannon, you also mentioned that that was in response for why so much violence is going on today. And so tonight, Shannon, we're going to start with you, as I'm going to ask you if you could expand upon that as we look to answer the value and impact that we as men can have in the home. How can we be the man deserving of being honored? You know, I'm grateful that we're taking this time and this opportunity to expound upon this subject of men being necessary in the homes. The reason why I said that, that we are the cornerstone and part of the reason why society is the, the, the way that it is today, our absence is the reason why this society is the way that it is, is because God has given me the distinct pleasure Um, It's been a while now, but I used to be in the prison ministry in our church. And for years, I would go and do prison ministry. That, to me, was one of the most humbling. It was one of the most uh, spiritually eye-opening experiences of my whole life. One, I got to see fathers, uncles, great-grandfathers, children, all in one place worshiping while they were bound 
And my thought process would be, if you would just take this same kind of fervor, if, fervor, if you would take the same kind of passion that you are showing me, and, and I mean, when I tell you worshiping, these men were worshiping, they had nothing else to lose. They had nothing else to do, but to simply worship God in prison. And my thought process was, if this was modeled in our home, you wouldn't be here in prison. And if you would, if you were to take this model once you get out of prison and take it into your homes, then I'm telling you, I know society itself would change. To share this quick story, um, I, I remember one day I was on my way to a midweek service at church, and I'm driving. I happened to need some change for offering, so I'm like, let me just hurry up and run in this random corner store that I had never seen before, never been in around my my way that I lived in. I was like, let me hurry up and run in here. I go and I run in this store, and as I'm in this store, some guy said, taps me and says, I think I know you. So my mindset is like, oh, here we go. Now, I of all days, this random store that I go in, here's somebody telling me that they know me. I know it's going to be some mess. Either this guy's going to try to stick me up. He's going to try to rob me. He's going to try to do something crazy. That, that's immediately what my mindset went to. And so I looked at him. I said, I don't think I know you. He said, do you come, do you do prison ministry? I'm like, yeah, I do prison ministry. He said, wow, you know, I remember you, I was a prisoner inside of the prison here in Philly. And I remember your church, you guys coming. And I remember you speaking to us and you dropping, you know, giving us the word of God and giving us all of this stuff. He was like, man, I just want to thank you for coming and doing that prison ministry. It changed my life. He said, I'm out of prison now. I have a job. I'm providing for my family, he said, and I'm trying to work now so that I can get credentialed to go into the prison and start talking to the other men. I'm like, my God. Now, I've never been back in that store again, but that one particular night that I go in there, God showed me what we're doing is not in vain. And I say all this to say, it is very important for men to take their place back in the home. We see what's going on in the streets. If we have that sound figure that is looking to God for instruction, if we have that uh, that father figure, that male figure who will establish what is right and what is wrong, no deviation from it. And for, uh, in my house, we will serve the Lord to have that militant type of attitude. I know that we can change society and, and turn this lawlessness that we see going on in the land into godliness. And I would just love to hear this, you know, what the rest of the brothers have to say. Man, that is that is beautiful. I love when when God gives us that confirmation, when he just shows up somehow and provides you that confirmation. D'Artagnan, what are your thoughts? Uh, good evening, brothers. I had a very, very, very similar experience as Shannon had when it comes to the whole prison ministry piece. And I tell you, um, we're looking at be the man deserving of being honored. So to be a man is deserving of being honored. Uh, it requires some things. I'm just jot jotting them down. And I want to tie this into exactly what Shannon was referring to about the prison ministry piece is that being the man deserving of being honored, it requires one, being present. Two, it requires accepting responsibility. Three, it requires understanding who you are to the point where you can't be demasculinized. Because that's what society will try to do. It'll try to demasculinate men to make them feel like they're less of a man. Um, and, and to quote someone who I, I really admire, uh, who's gone on to be with the Lord, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, he, he often says in, in quite a few books that he's written and also said is that as goes the man, so goes the nation. And it's because the man is, 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 is to be the one who drives what's going to happen, not just in their home, but also in society and, and also the nation and also the world. So to be the man deserving of being honored requires that, that, that man to be present, to be responsible, to understand that uh, he can't be demasculinized because he knows who he is and it requires order. And it requires order because as we look at the word and we see the first example we have of, of a man, uh, when we look at Adam, and, and we saw that Adam won, first and foremost, he had fellowship with God. He had fellowship with God because that enabled him to be able to, to name all of the animals. 
you know, as, as, as they, they came forth and he had a fellowship with God in such a way that he took God to see, well, what should I name this? And, you know, the name came to him, well, he should name this, this particular animal. You know, it took time to name those animals. And what the word particularly says is that the Lord said, it's not good for that man to be alone. It's not good for that man to be alone. And that's key because some men need to be alone. And I say that because once you get to a, a, a portion or a spot within your life uh, of understanding who you are, doing what you're supposed to do, having certain responsibilities and accepting them, and most importantly, having a fellowship with God, it's not good for that man to be alone. So that man had met certain requirements and certain wickets that enabled him to not be alone. So one of the issues that we have in society is we have people proclaiming and professing to be men who haven't met the requirements of being a man. And, and, and to meet the requirement of being a man, you have to meet certain wickets first, besides the just being birthed as being a male. To meet those wickets requires us to, to understand those wickets as we just identified when we looked at Adam meeting those wickets, of course, one, fellowship with God, two, accepting responsibility, three, having a job uh, and fulfilling that job, and then it's not good for that man to be alone. And I tie that back into what Shannon was saying. Uh, I had the same, shall we say, awe moment when in prison ministry, seeing people, men, who had experienced liberty uh, versus or, or, or going beyond freedom. Now, I say that like this. The Bible tells us, he who the Son has set free is truly free indeed. And we have people who have experienced freedom but they haven't experienced liberty. And I saw people in prison who experienced liberty because the Bible says, it, it tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty takes you places beyond freedom. Freedom is great, but freedom has boundaries to it. You know, I have a freedom to drive my car, but I have speed limits I have to obey by. Liberty is, is, is boundless and, 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 and limitless. And in order for us to experience that liberty, requires us to see people and being in an environment and atmosphere where we see it done. And it took me to go to prison in a prison ministry to see people experience liberty who didn't say have freedom. And, and seeing that, I had that kind of aha moment as well. Like after seeing and experiencing this, I see what it's like to actually have, have and experience liberty. Well, that ties back into being a man requires you to see a person who's experiencing and being a man. It gives you that ability to see it. Now you can emulate it. Now you can see something to be able to imitate, you know, uh, imitate those qualifications that need to be met in order to be a man and not just say, because I'm born a male, uh, I I've already fulfilled those qualifications. So when we talk about being a man deserving, deserving of being honored, it requires a person to experience uh, in their lifetime uh, someone who's met those qualifications of being a man and then also fulfilling those qualifications themselves. Mm, I love that. There is a lot of wisdom in there. Liberty beyond freedom. Spirit of the Lord is. Now, at least a, a lot of our listeners, they might know that verse more is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We sing it Sunday morning a lot of times, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Actually, liberty. Yeah. But we're, we're just using the wrong translation. We're not really looking at the Greek, all right? That, that's a whole different one, different teaching, and a different day. We could definitely spend uh, an evening just going into etymology and, and where words came from and how we're using possibly not the best words when we often open the Bible. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just maybe not the best word. Mm -hmm. Correct. Again, Correct. we're looking at some rabbit holes. I don't want to take us down that one, but that is awesome. That is a great word. Leo, I'm going to throw it over to you. As as we're as we're getting you know, into this, I I, I I you know I've always enjoyed hearing these brothers talk because I just take good copious notes on my on my computers as they as they pontificate on their uh, perspective. But you know, fathers like mothers are, are pillars uh, in the development of a child, the emotional mm -hmm. well-being. They also look to children, in particular, also look to their fathers to uh, provide a feeling of security, uh, both physical as well as emotional. Uh, children want to make uh, their fathers proud, and, uh, and, and they also want to be involved, or, or, and fathers want to be involved in the promotion of the inner growth and the strength 
than their children. D'Artagnan, he, he mentioned something very key. Uh, he said that fathers have to be, number one, they got to be present. It, it's something to do with a, a, a father that is present because what we need today is a model, someone to model to us what a father looks like. Uh, then he mentioned response. They got to be, uh, there's a, this word called responsibility. There are two derivatives to the word responsibility. It's response and ability. So I have to have the ability to respond to what it is that's presented to me. So one of the things that we have to do is as fathers, what I've learned, because for me, I didn't grow up with the father. He, he was more fair weather. He would stop by every now and again, and he'd take me fishing or something like that. After that, I didn't see him. So uh, for me, for a long time, uh, it wasn't until I came in the military, I established some discipline in my life. Uh, because growing up, there was no fence because I didn't have the father in my life. So there was no fence for parameters for my life. So I lived a very wild life. But it wasn't until I came in the military that I established some degree of discipline where a fence was built around me. But then, then after that, that's when the Lord saved me and sanctified me. Uh, when the Lord saved me, that's when God began to expose me to men of God uh, who was walking circumspectly uh, of, the of, of the provocation with which they have been called. And so I began to earmark, you know, Paul says, mark the perfect man. So I began to earmark certain men in, in, the, in the body of Christ and at my church, certain deacons, certain ministers, certain elders, and they would, they would help mentor me. And, and just like you, uh, Brother Shannon, my ministry was outreach. I, I, was the, I was the prison man. And I must admit, I was somewhat disheartened when I saw how many men there were in, incarcerated. Uh, but even though they was incarcerated physically, but in their mind, uh, they, was, they was free. They had the liberty uh, because they came to know Christ even in jail. So that was the paradigm shift in my life when I got exposed to men in my life uh, that would train me and teach me how to be a good husband, how to be a good, a good father, because I didn't have that model in my life. I'm going to unpack a little bit while we still have a little bit of time. I'd like to just pull a little bit more on this thread. Sure. Leo, as you were saying, that model, we need to have that model that's displaying presence responsibility, as, as Darda pointed out with the three, having a job, fulfilling that job. In one area, though, I think often as men, we tend to put a lot of emphasis on that, that having a job and fulfilling that job. I know I, I tended to do that a lot, working long hours or, or being on business trips, being away from the family, being out forward, deployed, things like that, where you're not at home. How do we find the balance between having the job, fulfilling the job, but being present with the family. How do you find the balance between being that uh, breadwinner is, is a cliche term, right? A, a lot of guys aren't really necessarily the breadwinner anymore, but we're going out there and, and we're, we're working for the family to try to build up our family. But at the same time, that's taking you away from the family. So D'Artagnan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you. And then Leo, I'd like to, I'd like to get your, your thoughts. How do, we, how do we find that balance? And I, and I, I, I love that, Harry, because I, I was just looking at my brother Leo there and I saw him doing the scales. And, and it is that. It's, it's that balance. But it's, and it's also balancing to understand that the scale should always be tipped in favor of your family. Mm -hmm. The job should never supersede your family. Anything that you do should be a reason as a means to support your family, not take away from your family. So it's, uh, it's being able to have a job in such a way that you know that this job is providing to provide a means or a substance or, or a mechanism by which I'm able to do various things. But this job never replaces my family, never replaces my God never replaces, you know, other people because it's, it's a tool. And the moment you idolize or put more emphasis, energy, and effort into the tool, that thing will then become your God. So it's the same way when it comes to the family. We shouldn't put family before God, you know, because the moment we do that, the family then becomes your God. You have to have an order and an understand that nothing supersedes something in that order. This is just me personally. How I do this is God comes first. He's number one. Then after God, it's spouse. Then after spouse, it's children. Then after children, it's, it's extended family. Then after extended family, it's friends. And then 
its job. And, and the reason why and then its job is because the job isn't is important, but it's not more important than anything else that I have named that preceded it. The job becomes a source by which I can support everything that, that, that precedes it. So it's having that balance to understand that there will be times that it will require a little energy, a little effort. But because you have poured so much into the things that came before the job, i.e. God, spouse, children, uh, extended family, friends, they'll understand that, okay, I understand dad has to be gone a little bit right now. And, and, and we feel this particularly in the military when we're gone for a year at a time you know, and, and we're deployed and you come back into an environment. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I've seen people ripped apart, families ripped apart because the dynamic wasn't set in such a way that when they came back, the husband or the, or, or the spouse could be the wife, the spouse would come back mm -hmm. into an environment that was going on without them for a year and, and, and they'd missed various phases of life. And they had to kind of like jump back in like double Dutch because the foundation was set with God first then the, the, the spouse and the children and everything else. I tell you, I did not experience that from all three deployments that were all a year plus long when I came back. I didn't have that issue as far as to getting back into the, the, the swing of things. I, di I didn't suffer that uh, as, as much as I saw others suffer it. And it was because I had already established what was priority in life and being able to balance that there will be times where, you know, I had to give a little more to the military but it, in giving a little more, it never really took away from the basis of who family is. And then before that, most importantly, who God is. If I could jump in really quick, balance is definitely, definitely important. I'm sure that there will be at least one listener because I feel like all of our experiences has to be relatable to somebody. Um, I know both of my parents, I've come from a family of ministry. Both of my parents were ministers. My grandfather was a minister. I just come from a family of being in church. And um, I know that with my father, he was very, very, very heavy into ministry. And he was present, but he was absent. So sometimes you can be physically present, but you can be emotionally absent. So completely detached so it was no no biggie at all to have my father pray and when I say pray I mean pray some things up off of you see miracles occur uh to teach you the bible there was no issue with that at all but to have a, a regular conversation like dad how was your day today well I didn't have that really growing up so it would come times and points in my life where I would say to myself as a young child growing up like well dang I wonder if my dad really does love me I wonder if my dad because I didn't really hear that that often growing up now from my mother I heard it quite often but from my dad I didn't hear it that often but it took me to become an adult to say wait a minute is it something that went on in my dad's life prior how was his father with him I had to start asking myself that because I, my grandfather died when I was young so I had to and put on my adult hat and say, there has to be something that happened because if you had a man in your life that was telling you that I love you, how was your day-to-day -day son in school? How was this? How was that? Then I would have experienced that. So one thing that I will say is you have to definitely find that balancing act and learn to use that as a foundation and a stepping stone. So each generation should be better than the last. So I don't take what my father didn't do. I didn't take what I didn't have and, and say, well, I didn't have this and I didn't have that and forget the church and I'm done with the church. No, this is the best that my dad could do. So now that I have boys, now I can say, I can take a little bit of what dad gave me, give what I felt as though I was missing. And hopefully what I give my boys, they'll look back and say, well, dad, you didn't exercise that much. So now I'm going to take exercising along with what you taught me and along with what some of Pop Pop taught you and, and, and learn to balance all of that stuff out. So that's the one thing that I definitely want to say. We cannot be so, so focused on just church. And, and all of God, and then you don't be focused on your physical family. It has to definitely, definitely be a balance because you don't want to lose your family while you're chasing after God. And God says you should love your family. Uh, fathers love your, your wives as Christ loved the church. And, and you're not loving, your, you're, you're absent to your wife. You're, you're not talking to your wife. You're, you're not, you're arguing with your wife. You're not doing all of those things that the Bible commanded you, but everything else you're doing right. So balancing is definitely key. Man. Yeah, you hit it. You hit it, brother. Definitely hit it there, Shannon. I think there, there's there's several things there, and it's almost making me wonder if we, we need to do another episode on some of this to get, get deeper. When you're talking about the presence, a lot of cases, 
how the father associates with the mom, you're, you're, that's a teaching moment, right? For a young man growing up, how father teach, uh, interacts with the mom, you're teaching, this is how you need to be interacting with a woman. If it's not shown in a, in a positive light, young man's going to grow up confused about what is a positive relationship. Amen. I, I love that. I love that. Leo, let's get some of your thoughts. You, you know, I think the key word that we mentioned was balance. You know, the Bible says if a man don't take care of his family, he's worth than an infidel. So I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm compelled to try to do some things to try to make sure my family is taken care of. And as men, sometimes we get so immersed in our job because our job tends to give us worth. Uh, because when you see a brother that you haven't seen in a long time, the first thing we do is tell him, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the chief of such and such an organization or I'm the CEO of something. And we, we, we give them our title because our title of what we do validate us for who we are, unfortunately. But there's another scripture in, in the book of Ephesians. He says, fathers, uh, a father is employed to bring their children uh, up in uh, the ways of the Lord, to uh, discipline them and to encourage and comfort and and instruct them. So how 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 do I how because we talked about this word called responsibility and, and there are two derivatives response and ability. How, I, if I if I if I have the ability to make provisions for my family, how that that should be my response. How do I respond to my children in terms of showing them love, affection? Because we 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 touched on some things that that I really wanted to come through the computer on. Um, we touched on some things as it pertains to men because men uh, back in, in my day, I can speak for my brothers, uh, we were we were often taught not to cry. We couldn't show emotions, uh, and if we did, you know, it was it was always considered taboo. So if if I saw you crying even at a funeral, you know, it was it was soft. Um, and and a lot of fathers back then, I found, was uh, didn't have that relationship with their children because. The role of the child was for him or her, she or the children to stay in their place. So the father didn't necessarily know how to interact with the child uh, in terms of sports and things of this nature, because his job was to make provisions for the household, not to be a friend to the children. So now we're living in a time whereby we, we, we there has to be this balancing act where we begin to pour in the oil and ministry our children need in terms of love, affection, care, uh, consideration, giving an ear to hear uh, what they're going through because they are being bombarded with a plethora of information. Um, and, and so how do, they, how, do they, how do they process that? But if they don't have a, a, a model in front of them that they can use as a filter or as a sounding board to help them process and navigate through the, through the cares of this life, uh, they'll fall through the crack of life. And so that's why a father is so critical uh, for such a time as this. And so we go to the job, but the job is our resource. God is our source. And, and, and that's why we have to understand that, hey, I thank God for the job, but it's just a resource. But my primary ministry is my family. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that primary ministry is, is, is the family because God has blessed and ordained the family in such a way that it's a representation of his love in the earth. You know, he doesn't talk a whole lot about um, how we're supposed to, you know, operate, so to speak, jobs on our job, so to speak, in the word, but we can find over and over again in the word how we're supposed to relate to our families. And when we talk about, the apostle Paul says this, he says, follow me as I follow Christ, yes. right? And, mm -hmm. it, and the same apostle uh, writes to the church of Colossae and, and in Ephesians, where he talks about family relationships. Mm -hmm. But I like how he says, uh, when he writes in, in Colossians to the church of Colossae, where he talks about wives being subject to your own husbands as fitting unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and, and, and don't be embittered against them. Children, obey your parents in all things for it's well-pleasing to the Lord. And then he talks about fathers, do not exacerbate your children so that they may lose heart. So it's, 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 it's a whole instruction to how we're supposed to relate as a family unit. And we have instructions in the word on how we're supposed to operate as fathers where it relates to our children, our spouses, and even how it relates to the greater community, because someone who could have a father who's absent is looking at you 
to fulfill that role as a father in their lives. Because, mm. because, we, because we have such this responsibility to understand that it's, it's our household, but it's also the body of Christ in the world at large that is going to be fed off of how we operate. You know, every joint supplies. So if mm -hmm. there's a household that doesn't have a father present, we as a joint of being a father is supplying to that household as well and supplying to, to, to that uh, home that may have a father who could be absent, could have, could have transitioned a little earlier, could, could be in a situation where he's just not present because of incarceration or whatever it may be. But we fulfill that role as a father because the term father is a term of endearment. And it's a term of endearment where you look to someone who has the ability to pour into your life and you accept them as pouring into your lives and you being a recipient of their instruction. That's, that, that term father holds a lot of weight. Dart, I think you, you're really getting one onto some things there. And you're actually perfect segue. It's almost like I slipped you some dollars or something to, to lead us into this. As we look on to the, the next part of our show, as you were stating, many homes, they're without a father. Many families don't have that father figure or that man in the house to turn to. I think this is evidenced by a man named Rob Kenny. He has a YouTube channel called Dad, How Do I? He has millions of subscribers. I think when I last looked, it was like 5.7 million subscribers. His content, he's answering questions that a father would. He's showing things that a father would normally show. I applaud Mr. Kenny on this. But at the same time, it really drives home how many young men are missing that father resource. How many men are growing up in fatherless homes? And so putting it out to the panel, how do we as Christian men, how do we as leaders fill the role for those that don't have that daily father figure? How do we ensure that even though their biological father isn't there, for whatever reason that may be, that person's not present? How do we ensure that the next generation of young men grow to be everything God has called them to be? And so, D'Artagnan, I'm going to throw it right back to you because you had already touched on this. So keep it going. Yeah, looking at how we can help that next generation of men be men, I tell you, um, the brothers have, 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 have hit this a few times. And I think um, Leo said it as well. You know, to know a man, you have to be a man. So it, it's, it's that emulation piece. It's that exampling. Piece that we that we talked about, and I tell you, when we look at various scriptures, when we look at uh, Exodus, for example, Exodus chapter twenty, verse twelve says, "Honor your father and mother, so that your days may be long in the land uh, the, that the Lord your God is giving you." Right. So we see that in Exodus. Then we look at Ephesians uh, chapter six, verses one through two. I love this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I love this as we look at the New Testament because he starts off. With children, obey your parents in the Lord. I need you to hear that. Obey your parents yeah. in the Lord. Your parents in the Lord. Your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. I, I love this is because as we look at Exodus, the Old Testament, we're seeing how there's a honor your father and mother. Uh, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land. By the time we get to the New Testament, you know, a couple thousand years have passed, and we see children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And I want to have another segue here. First Corinthians chapter four, looking at verses 14 and 15, says, the apostle Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to warn you against, but to warn you and advise you as my beloved children, as my beloved children. He says, for even if you were to have 10,000 teachers to guide you in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers who led you to Christ and assumed the responsibility for you. See, see, who led you to Christ and assumed the responsibility for you. For I became your father in, in Christ Jesus through the good news of salvation. Now, I pointed all that out to you to show you something here, is that we have to understand the, the roles of heavenly father, spiritual father, and biological earthly fathers. And there are so many of us who have had the, the absence of the earthly father biological father to some degrees that we that it makes it difficult to then relate to a heavenly father and that's what the enemy desires he desires for there to be no 
earthly father, so you won't know how to relate to a heavenly father. But praise God for the ability that he's injected a spiritual father that we see present in, in the word, that we see New Testament-wise, and we see over and over again from the apostles referring to themselves as a spiritual father. And it's that, it, it's, it's even Brother Leo even uh, talked about how he had those men in the church that were able to, once he got to the army, that displayed these characteristics and qualifications and values of Christ that was able to lead him. It's understanding that we have a heavenly father, we have spiritual fathers, and we also have earthly fathers. And that was always a design of God for the spiritual father role to also be fulfilled by our earthly fathers in our homes. But when that void is there, and when that, that, that absence is there, it doesn't negate that we still have other people who have the ability to fill the spiritual father to introduce us to our heavenly father. It's, 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 that, it's that, that ownership that we take on as being men to show other boys how to be men or to show other males how to be men uh, or to be that example. Uh, as the apostle Paul says, I became your father in the gospel. I became the father who led you to Christ and assumed the responsibility for you to lead you. Uh, and that's what it is. It's, it's that, 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 that gap being filled, that, that joint supplying. So I, I believe that how we can help that next generation is by understanding our role as being spiritual fathers, understanding our role as being spiritual fathers, as well as our role as being earthly fathers in our own home. But we also know that we are a spiritual father to so many other people who may have a void or a gap there themselves. I, I'll tell you this, you know, I, I myself grew up in a home where I was raised, uh, you know, uh, in the home with my, my, my grandfather. And, I, and I, I heard it said, you know, my grandfather would say, do you love me? Because he trained boxers. He trained professional fighters. And he'd come back from training these boxers and everything else. And he'd say, do you love me? I'm like, no, I don't love you. And he'd say, yes, right, because men don't love each other. I know what he meant. What he was saying was, we don't show emotional compassion towards one another as men. So men don't love each other. But you know, if I didn't have men in the church, and if I didn't have other spiritual uh, um, examples to look to, how that could have scarred me in life. You know, so you have to understand the roles. Now, do I believe my grandfather didn't love me? Absolutely, he loved me. He put food on the table. You know, he put a roof over my head. You know, he put clothes on my back. But it's, it's those, those gaps and voids that we as spiritual fathers, as spiritual brothers and, and men, assume that role and responsibility to, to fill those gaps, to show other men uh, that we are spiritual fathers, to be an example, to show them our heavenly father. And I'm, I'm trying to formulate some, some words here to just, to just be able to push back, but so much of that just hit me. Like that, that, that really, a lot of that just hit me. Thank you for sharing that, Dart. I, I love so much that it, it struck me when Leo, you had mentioned men growing up, at least during our, our, our would have been our father's time. They don't show emotion, just like D'Artagnan's grandfather saying, you know, we don't, we don't show that kind of love. I remember seeing my father cry one time once. And that wow. was when his brother died. That was it. That was it. That's the mm -hmm. only time I've ever seen him cry. We just mm -hmm. don't show that. That's what I grew up learning. You know, you, you, you cry, you show that emotion, you're showing weakness. And that, that just struck me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Leo? When I think about this here, I, I, I think of the scripture in terms of Paul uh, being a father to uh, Timothy. You know, Paul says to the church of God at Corinth, uh, I encourage you to uh, become imitators of me for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, uh, who is my dearly beloved son. Paul, Paul was able to just, and, and, and because uh, D'Artagnan did an eloquent job in speaking concerning the various dynamics of, of a father, not just a natural father, but we also have spiritual fathers. And uh, so Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy, so much so that even when he got ready to uh, exchange time for eternity, uh, he, was, he was able to pick Timothy up in the spirit and say to Timothy, Timothy, uh, th 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 there's something, something is wrong here. Something is wrong. Uh, uh, there, there was the, a timidity about Timothy, and Paul recognized that, and, and, and he was just trying to encourage Timothy uh, and let Timothy know that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Uh, but he was just sharing with Timothy to encourage him 
as his son in the faith. And, uh, and, and, and unfortunately today, I don't, I don't think that we have enough uh, spiritual fathers because when we do look to people, uh, certain men and women of God, uh, shall I say, uh, in the faith, they look to exploit you perhaps. And so consequently, we don't want to uh, embrace them as a spiritual father. That's what's lacking uh, today. Uh, uh, you mentioned earlier Miles Monroe. One of the things I heard Miles Monroe said that he had a vision, and the vision was that he saw men of God who were in their casket with the mantle uh, as they were in their casket, meaning that they were not passing the mantle on. Spiritual fathers pouring into younger men the oil and ministry that they need to carry the mantle uh, to, 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 to higher heights and deeper depths in God. And so uh, I don't know if that's due to jealousy. I don't know if that's due to uh, them wanting to be great themselves. Whatever the particulars are, we, we have to let go of the mantle and then we have to uh, have a identify a successor, someone that we can uh, entrust with our experience over the years and say, son, he, here's how you do what you do. And they can be an emeritus and they can pour into you the oil and ministry that you need to take you to the next level, not only you, but also uh, the, help the body of Christ. Man, I'm hearing spiritual advisor. I'm hearing an encourager. I'm hearing a teacher. I'm hearing a mentor. Mm. Shame. My God, my God. Um, you guys are so on the money. Just like Dart, you know, I, my, fa my father was definitely in the house, but we lived with my grandfather. So my family lived in my grandfather's house and my grandfather was a great mentor. Now, here it is, this man, he was at least six foot one in uh, World War II, he was, but he was a crier. My grandfather was a crier. And naturally, I wasn't when I was younger. I would laugh at my grandfather, like, look at grandpa over there praying and crying again. Why grandpa praying and crying? Why is he so emotional? And I promise you, the day my grandfather died, I went to his funeral. And I remember saying to my family, watch, when, when my Aunt Lizzie goes in here, she's going to be the one. She's going to be the one falling at the casket. She's going to be acting a whole fool. But who was the one in there acting the fool? It was me. I had never been like that before in my life. And it wasn't until I got older that I knew that the Lord was passing the mantle on to me, that prayer warrior, that person that felt empathy, that person that would pray in the midnight hour, that person that would get up and, and, and feel people's emotions, their, their empathy. So I know in this time, God is definitely calling for spiritual fathers that will feel the, the void, that will feel not just F-I-L-L, -L, but F-E-E-L, the void that people are, are having in their homes and in their lives. As you read through scripture, there's a lot of times where the Lord says to not to forsake the widow, not to forget, forsake the fatherless. So when you look at that, I know that God is calling us to be, to be spiritual fathers in the spirit, praying for those who do not have that, that guideship, that, that fathership in the home. And one of the greatest songs that I love by Miss Dorothy Norwood says, somebody prayed for me. Mm -hmm. Had me on their mind. They took their time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. It, didn't, it, it you know, goes on to say my mother and, and the preacher, but they left out a verse that should be key. It should have been saying, a father prayed for me. That's not mentioned in the lyrics. So we have to now find a father that's going to be willing to go and pray for the families, not just your own immediate family, because what good is it if you're just your house is the only one that's saved? You notice when Abraham went to pray, he didn't say, well, God, what if you just remember my house? He said, well, what if you remember 10 people that were righteous in the land? Don't let your house be the only righteous house on the block. Lift up your whole block. Look at what's going on in your neighborhood. If you see children running up and down the street, don't just turn a blind eye. Don't act like you don't know what it's like to lack. Because many of us, again, have grown up in areas, I can only speak for myself, where there's been poverty, where there's been crime, there's been all of these things where there's lack inside of the community. Don't just talk about them, be the voice for them. Tell them that they are kings and queens. Let them know that God has something great and in his story in their lives. We have to now start pouring into our communities, our generations, and it's not just our own home. We have to do it in the community as well. We have to be spiritual fathers and our communities. Absolutely. You know, um, as, as, as my brothers were talking and I'm, I'm listening to what the Lord is saying, over and over again in the word, we have a perfect example in Jesus Christ that we see 
it says, and he was moved with compassion. As, as being spiritual fathers and as being men in this world, but not of this world, how can we help the next generation of men? We have to be moved with compassion, just like Jesus. We have to be moved with compassion to, to, and, and be sensitive enough and expressive enough of the sensitivity to be able to draw others to Christ um, and be moved with compassion. And again, it requires us to be present. It requires us to answer the call of responsibility. It requires us to avoid the demasculinization feeling that the world will try to put on us. And it, it requires us to follow the order of God, of first and foremost, having fellowship with him, having assumed the responsibility of executing a job and doing it well with him. I'm, I'm telling you, we, we have to be moved with compassion. Uh, you know, you, you, you spot on. Uh, you know, I'm reminded uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples. They had gotten into a boat and he says uh, for them to go over to the other side. That, and, and while they was, uh, well, now that was a different scripture. This is the time when he was in the boat and he was asleep. And the Bible says that there was this storm uh, that came about. Uh, and they, they went down into the bottom of the ship uh, to wake him up and says, Lord, carest not that we perish. I mean, do you even care that we're about to die? Uh, and, and, and Jesus, he gets up, y'all know the story, and he rebukes the storm. But, but at the end of the day, many times when we're mentoring people, when we're providing leadership, when we're affirming them, uh, there's going to be some things that we're trying to do or say to get a person to the next level uh, in their life, to help them to maximize the potential that they have. Uh, but there's going to be storms that arise in their life. Uh, and then they're going to need to know that we care enough for them to help see them through and help navigate them through the storms of life. So we, we're going to have to be the type of leaders and the type of fathers uh, that care enough, not only to give birth to sons, but to help disciple them. And the disciple piece requires time from me. And I have to be willing to, uh, to give you my time. Uh, and, and, and that's where we miscarry. We miscarry from the standpoint of, uh, I, I don't want to inconvenience myself by giving you my time, my talent, and my treasure. Uh, it's easy for me to just go out and witness and share with you the word and trust God to manage the results. But what happened when God tells you, I want you to take that young man under your wing and I want you to teach him how to walk circumspectly. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus going and, and get these 12 heathens says, come and follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. I'm going to. I'm willing to take time with you and time out of my schedule to train you in the way that you should go, that you may know God intimately and serve God faithfully. As we're getting ready to come on closing, my notes have this, just from what you guys have written. As we had said before, spiritual advisor, mentor, encourager, teacher, caregiver, comforter, a shelter in the storm, compassionate one, a disciple maker. Are we, are we sensing a trend here? I believe we already have a key example that has all of those names. And, and I can't help but appreciate, appreciate the similarities Ooh. because that, that is the doctrine that D'Artagnan's talking about. That right there just screams to me. If we want to talk about who are we supposed to be to these young men, right there. It goes back to Jesus. And I, I, I don't mean to just keep throwing a Sunday school answer out there, but man, if you can't see it after all of that and pull out all of that that's just been said in these last 40, 45 minutes, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's all right there. That is, man. All roads lead to Christ. Amen. Amen. Leo, I'm going to turn it over to you, brother, as we go into closing thoughts on this Father's Day special. All right, big bro. Uh, I was just thinking about the scripture that says, ye are the light of the world. Uh, but if, if we take our light and we put it under a bushel, uh, we can't illuminate the world. Uh, men are looking for, young men uh, are looking for the light in us. So uh, the value and the impact that we as men uh, can have 
not only in our home, but in our communities and our churches, wherever we go, even on our jobs, we can become uh, deserving of being honored when we begin to take our time, our talent, our treasure, and disciple and become the mentors that God has called us to be. Uh, it's one thing for me to know God, uh, but my responsibility is for you to come to know him intimately and serve him faithfully as well. So I have to teach you and instruct uh, young men uh, in the faith. So earmarking someone, even if it means just grabbing one or two men for the year that you're going to disciple, not just ask him, are they saved? And do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, the Lord Jesus, because the Bible says that man believeth unto righteousness with his heart and with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. And they, you know, they're, they're saved. And then we walk away. But are you willing to disciple them? Are you willing to mentor them? Are you willing to, to lead them and instruct them and help navigate them through this maze of life? Because that's what's going to require the sacrifice. That's why we have to go into the world, teach them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. But not only that, but we want to be like Jesus. We want to disciple. We want to mentor. We want to train up people so that they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Pulling up alongside and walking with them. D'Artagnan? By this being, you know, Father's Day weekend uh, or Father's Day, I I'll really tell you, an investment requires a deposit. God made an investment and deposited us into the earth. We, in turn, have to make an investment and deposit into others. And as, as men, we need to deposit in others various tools they'll need to be successful mm. in this life and the life to come. The investment that we make, the deposit that we make in their lives could make such an impact that they will then make a decision that will determine their eternal state. That's how we have to really look at how, how impactful and how important and how vitally necessary our deposit is. The deposit that we make in someone else's life can determine the decision that they make to decide their eternal state. Mm. So as, as fathers, I really encourage us to be present and to be thankful for all the men in our lives who have fulfilled the roles and responsibilities of being a man and to also not look down on those who didn't. Because for those who didn't fulfill the responsibility of being a man, they still did something for us. They showed us what not to be. They showed us what not to do. Uh, so we have to even look at that with a positive spin. But I really want to leave people with this understanding is that uh, as we look at our heavenly father, as we look at our spiritual father, and as we look at our earthly biological father, be thankful for the role that each person plays in your life. And I, and I want to give uh, some information to any man who's looking to increase the value that they have in this earth as men to be able to deposit in others. There's a book written by a, a great author, and it also has a workbook with it as well, by Edwin Lewis Cole, and it's called Maximizing Manhood. Maximizing Manhood by Edwin, by Edwin Lewis Cole. Phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal book and workbook on how to maximize manhood, because your manhood is so key, and it's something the enemy wants to take from you. He wants to demasculize you. He wants to take away... The enemy is after the seed, and the seed is in the man. This is why when woman partook of the fruit, nothing happened. But when Adam partook of the fruit, all hell broke loose because the enemy is after the seed. And the other one is the, the book written by Dr. Miles Monroe. It's called Understanding the Purpose and the Power of, 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 of Men. Understanding the Purpose and Power of Men by Dr. Miles Monroe. Those two books will change your life forever on how to be a man because these men are coming from the word of God. I'm not going to give you any book from any author who's not going to come from the word of God. And those two authors, you can really trust them. I think tonight for me, I want to do something a little different. And that's, I want to say thank you to my own earthly father. I want to thank the man who raised me to be who I am today for always doing the best he could to show me the difference between right and wrong, teaching me to understand you're only as good as your word and to recognize the value of hard work. Most importantly, 
no matter how bad I may have acted up or, or maybe gotten off track, he never let me veer too far. With correction, maybe not gentle correction, but, but with correction and always centered in love. I've done things as a man today solely with the purpose of trying to hear that I made my father proud. As a Christian, I think we all should be looking to do things to make our heavenly father proud. I'm grateful for my earthly father. I'm grateful for having spiritual fathers. I'm grateful for my father in heaven to put me on this earth with the man I call dad. For those who might be listening and they don't have that father figure, I think as men, we need to look at one another and we need to look at how we can step up and be there for those who don't have that someone. It isn't easy, but answering a call never is. If you are already that man stepping up, then God bless you. Keep it going. And I pray God blesses you beyond measure. Oh, wow. That's a, that was a- absolutely touching, uh, Harry. And if I could echo, and I, if my father could hear me, I would hope that he would know that I'm thankful for all of what he done in my life and in the lives of my brothers. I, I'm hoping that continually each day we make him happy and we make him proud. Um, and one thing that I definitely want to say, I want to be an encourager to those who feel as though they may fall short in the fatherhood arena. They are fathers naturally. Um, they may have come short. They may have abandoned their children. They may not have been present. As long as you have breath in your body, it is never too late for you to call on Christ. It's never too late for you to say, I'm sorry. It's never too late for Christ to turn your life around, even if it's for a split second for you to tell your children that you love them and that Christ loves them. It is never, ever too late. There's no height that you can go. There's no depth that you can fall down into that Christ cannot meet you. There's nothing that you've done that Christ cannot forgive. There's nothing that you can say that Christ cannot erase. There is nothing at all in your life that is unforgivable. You can be redeemed. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. You're not a mistake. I don't care what your father, fathers may have done. I don't care what generations before may have done. You can break the cycle. You can begin again. The cycle can start new with you. You are not a mistake. We Sometimes men hear that, that they're a mistake. You're not a mistake. God has purposed you where you are today. And I'm here to tell you that if you're listening to this podcast, and I hope that you are, know that you can call on God and he can lift you up from any spot that you're in. It's never, ever too late. So don't give up on God because he'll never give up on you. So, Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. We give you praise, glory, and honor. Lord, I thank you for this time that I've been able to come together with my brothers to fellowship. Lord, it's almost been like a therapy session even for me. So I hope that each and every listener that listens to this podcast, whether they're a male, whether they're, or there may be even some women who are listening to this podcast, God, whether they're fathers, whether they're children, Lord, I'm asking you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you send comfort even through our words, Lord, that they feel your almighty embrace Grace, even this very second, Lord, even this very hour that they're listening to this podcast, that you would envelope or, or, or grab them, God, and and your almighty comfort and your almighty hug, Lord, you said that you would be a father to the fatherless, Lord. So I'm asking you right now, Lord, that you heal any hurts, God. Heal any curses, God, word curses that may have been spoken over anyone's lives, Lord, that they would repeat cycles, that they would be just like their forefathers, Lord. We ask you right now, God, that you break any generational curse, Lord, and that you set the captives free, Lord. You said in your word that whom the sun sets free, that they would be free indeed. So tonight, Lord, I speak freedom over over the men. I speak freedom over their mind. I speak freedom over their spirit. I speak freedom in their lives, Lord. Freedom from addiction, freedoms from failure, freedoms from lack, God. Anything that may be hindering them, God, from coming and falling before your throne to call on your great name, Lord, I break it tonight, Lord. We come against everything, God, that the enemy may have designed in their lives to make them fall, to make them stumble, Lord. You said that the weapon would be formed, God, but it, that it wouldn't prosper. So tonight, God, we break any 
any kind of prosperity that the enemy may try to formulate, that the enemy may try to gather and, and use to try to make a man feel worthless, Lord. We come against the spirit of suicide. We come against the spirit of homicide. We come against all of these spirits, God, that would de de uh, that would take fathers away from the home, that would take children away from the home, Lord. We just ask you right now, Lord God, that you be the great I am in our lives, that you be the one, God, that will lift up the standard, God, that we would meet your standard, that we won't look to the standards of men, that we won't look to the standards of our constitution, that we won't look to the standards of our nation, but we'll look to your standards, God, that you said, God, be holy as I am holy. So God, raise up some holy men in the earth, God, that will call on your great name, God, Raise up some holy men, God, that will lift up your bloodstained banner. Raise up some holy men, God, that will be spiritual fathers in this nation and in this community, Lord. We come against the spirit of lawlessness, God, this lawlessness that is running rampant through our land. Lord, we ask you right now in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that you would break it, God, that you would break it by your blood, your blood that never loses its power, Lord God. We know, God, that in you, God, there is law. In you, God, there is liberty. In you, God, there is freedom. So today, God, we just stand on your holy and righteous word, God, and we thank you, God, even for now, the remnant of men that you'll have arise in the earth, spiritual men, God, that will point others to you, God, that will point others in your direction, that will point others to the light that is in us, Lord. Oh, Lord God, we're just asking you tonight, God, that you just strengthen and encourage, Lord, the men that may listen to this podcast. Lord God, we thank you, God. We give your name, glory, honor, and praise, God, for a new beginning, God, new beginnings in you, and the mighty name of jesus we pray amen there you have it episode seven in the books thanks for joining us on what man and remember to hit that subscribe button to stay aware of any new episodes also come check us out online at whatman.22today.org that's whatman.22today.org so until next week when we get together and ask what man stay safe and God bless.